So thank you for tuning in to Unapologetically Different Podcast. We're back with Season 4, Episode 29, and this is actually Part 2 of last week's episode where we're here with Anasia from A-Plug Magazine, Steve and Emma. So if you haven't checked out Part 1 yet, definitely go back and listen to Part 1. So we actually left off last week with a cliffhanger, and I think we should just pick it up from there, Key. Yeah, I had asked Steve, um, what is your thoughts on appropriation of the hip-hop culture, and what will you say to someone who accused you of appropriation being a white rapper? And I, w- I think it's a very complicated kind of discussion, and there's mm-hmm. a lot of different facets to it. And one being that appropriation, I think, in general, just by definition, is like not a good thing. And I think that in terms of white rappers, there are a handful or more of, of white rappers that kind of appropriate the genre without giving respect and bowing kind mm-hmm. of to the creators mm-hmm. of this and where it came from and what struggles it came from. So I think being ignorant to that is is just like flat out not good. Like mm-hmm. if you're hip hop is such a beautiful genre like to me and it means so much to me and so much to so many people across the world that like if you're going to put a hand in and you're going to partake in this beautiful art Mm -hmm. you should you know at least have like a background knowledge of where it came from um and then as far as like the aspects of appropriation that have led to hip-hop spreading across the world and you know becoming so popularized i think that's that kind of a good aspect Mm -hmm. that comes out of it and like there are negative aspects that come out of that as well but like for example i i went to poland last summer and i didn't even end up going like it was an art an architecture-related trip. Mm-hmm. But I ended up doing a really awesome performance there, and it was very well-received by the like Polish students that we were working with. And like, there was this guy from Finland who rode his bike from Finland to Krakow, the city we were at in Poland, listening to nothing but old-school hip-hop. And he got on stage and was like, like brought to tears he was like so touched by my music. Mm-hmm. And that like touched me in a, such an awesome way that, like, you know say what you want about appropriation, but, like, the fact that hip-hop is spreading to all walks of life, like, you know, started from the Bronx mm-hmm. to now Finland. Well, and can you like, repeat that part? BX all day. Because, um, <laughs> I didn't think some people caught it. Started from the BX all day. Bro, from the boogie down. All right, right. I just want to make this big town. Oh, BX is in the building. <laughs> say something. All right. You know, about numbers. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, so like it's just it came from such a small place and such a, a like an awful time for you know the the locals in the Bronx mm-hmm. and other other boroughs in New York and to now be like you know you all you could talk about back then was they they had parties and they mm-hmm. talked about their struggles and you know being on the corners and doing what they had to do to get by and you know exuding that and yeah. exhaling that into their hip-hop, their mm-hmm. music, and now, you know, I'm, like, still in touch with this guy from Finland, yeah. across the world. He's sharing, like, hip-hop acts from Finland and Scandinavia Sweet. and Poland, yeah. and, like, it, that's a beautiful thing that, mm-hmm. like, it's not just about struggle anymore. Hip-hop can be about so many different things. Now, as far as me being a white rapper and kind of, you know, t- putting my hand yeah. in into this art, it's like, I actually had been called out on, on that um, because... I think as a white rapper, there are certain issues that I have to touch on very lightly and mm-hmm. kind of, so I, I, there was this song that I had called Black and Blue. Mm-hmm. This was like a few years ago and it kind of is about police brutality. So like the first verse is kind of uh, is a, from the black man's perspective. Second verse is from like the white cop's perspective. Mm-hmm. And the verses are written in a way that they sound very similar. So that the idea of the song, the agenda that I had was that like we're all the same at the end of the day. But I think... I just, I didn't do that in a way that was well constructed. Mm -hmm. It kind of, I think, came across as like an all lives matter type of thing. And so a a, a black woman from the audience one day called me out on it and said that like, basically to, you know, um, like shorten what she said was that like, she didn't think that I had, it was appropriate of me to be verbalizing the black man's perspective. And it's totally true. Mm -hmm. Like it really was a nice awakening. It was a good lesson for me to learn that like despite what I may learn from like watching police brutality videos reading things watching documentaries like despite what I can learn and observe I will never truly understand Mm -hmm. that like that fear that 
comes with like you know seeing a cop car like yeah. i'm afraid of a cop car because i think i'll maybe get a speeding ticket yeah. but like i'm not gonna lose my life yeah and i think that it was a good lesson to learn and so now a lot of the stuff that i'm writing is you know the the new project that i'm working on has a lot of like you know there's like things that i write about you know political things and there's like the the like female injustice yeah. and like the black struggle mm-hmm. and the like but it's it's done in a way that's a little more nuanced it's like the white man's perspective my perspective mm-hmm. on these issues so it's okay. not necessarily this song was like me kind of essentially rapping like like this narrative of yeah. of a black man mm-hmm. and it it wasn't appropriate and i got called out on it and i think that was totally you know for a good reason and yeah. now the stuff that i write is a little more conscious to that the fact that you know like i'm a straight white man mm-hmm. that like i'm not you know hip hop started with yeah. struggle and as a straight white man mm-hmm. i'm kind of you know as my girlfriend says like playing on the easiest setting yeah and like i don't really have a fight to yeah. fight necessarily yeah. but for me to use my perspective and my you know my love for this genre mm-hmm. to talk on these issues i think is is important to not not like appropriate to yeah. it but to you know um talk about it from my perspective and like lend my hand yeah. to your fight because i think it's important that you speak to that because we do talk about appropriation of the culture and really getting your take on it being a white rapper coming into this industry and kind of getting a feel of it and now that you're a bit more conscious of what to put out there mm-hmm. when you did come into this industry did it ever hinder you not to like pursue a career because you were a white rapper i don't think so i like i kind of i mean let me think about this i like it's funny because when i was in like middle school and high school early on mm-hmm. i like wore baggy clothes mm-hmm. and wore like south pole and like brands that i thought were like fubu yeah exactly <laughs> i had i had a couple articles of fubu um and like i feel like then i would kind of people would be like why are you dressing like that yeah. that's not like how you know white people dress yeah. like and I was like, this is how I want to dress. Like, you mm-hmm. know, and maybe it was a reflection of the music that I was listening to. Yeah. But then like, it took a while and I eventually kind of started like finding my own like wardrobe. I started mm-hmm. wearing things that were a little more snug. And yeah. like, now I'd like that also wearing... That snug way. Yeah. You know? <laughs> um, so that, mm-hmm. I think there was more of like a racial hindrance there. Yeah. More so than in the music. And like, also a lot of my like, performances like in you know philly and south jersey when i really started performing and like even still in new york there's a lot of like it's like mixed crowds but for the mm-hmm. most part at least in philly and south jersey it was a lot of white yeah. people in the crowd so nobody was really like you're white you can't be doing this yeah um yeah okay that's cool because i also think back to what chuck d would say too like um hip-hop is like what was he saying? He made a very potent point. He was like, hip-hop is like the CNN to the black people, like rap music and how it is and how mm-hmm. we're in, not, not necessarily informed through the music, but more so how our struggles is derived, derived through the music and how it's like told back to us and for us to be cognizant of what's going on in our communities and stuff like that. So I'm glad you could speak to your perspective and what's going on and wish you the best of luck in your rap career and yeah. further down the road and also like, you know, trying to put out music out there that people are conscious of no matter what their backgrounds are, and being accepting to that. So I think it's good that you, and I think it's very valid that you said I'm speaking from my perspective and how I view it. Hopefully it's incorporated in the music so people know that this is not your direct interaction, but more so your perspective of how you oversee it for what it is. Right. Like, for example, I have one of the lyrics on one of the new songs that I'm working on is, like, I'm thinking about the nation and our tribulations and our trials that deem a killer innocent because of his uniform, but I'm privileged too because we share a skin tone. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. Spicy <laughs> bars. So that's just like an example of just me taking this more yeah. nuanced approach to you know, my writing style when, when dealing with some more sensitive matters that I don't necessarily have like a first hand yeah. you know, in, but okay. sharing my observations and stuff. I like you, Steve. (laughs) I like you you too, Coach Steve. (laughs) No, but seriously, like, I feel like your answer was just great. I was really curious to see how um, it occurred for you. And I think what you said was perfect. I personally love how um, music brings people together. And you can be from any walk of life, different types of culture, um, religions, whatever, anything. And... um, so seeing hip-hop, how it's 
global. Yeah. I think that's dope, but I like how you really talked about how you love the the culture, you love the music, but and you're putting your hand into the art as well, and you're creating from in that culture as well. But you understand where it came from, and then we're humans. People like yeah. obviously we are constantly learning, constantly growing, and exactly. with like you said with the song Black and Blue, um, you didn't see it from that perspective. But after that woman came, uh, approached you about it, it kind of opened your eyes to it, and then you were able to take that really. Some people may take offense to that and really are like steadfast on like, no, I can say this, but you were able to really take what you got, really take it in, really think about it, and then like get that empathy and it, you you adjusted and adjusted accordingly. I think that's so dope. And and I personally listening to um, Opportune Displacement, I loved it because I feel like. I listen to all types of music, whether it's hip hop, house, mm-hmm. um, deep house, just everything. Yeah. Like, so when I was listening to your the the album, I'm just like I can really, really relate to it, and I'm, I'm so not glad. even I'm not even gonna lie. I'm gonna be a hundred percent official. You like, keep it on it? I'm gonna keep yeah. it a hundred. <laughs> like, That's a first. At first, I was like. I'm probably not gonna like this music, and literally, what was that based on? Like, hundred percent because you were white <laughs> and you dress so well, you're so sharp, and it's just not like what like. And I hate that it that thought but it was even there. Doesn't mean that black rappers are not dressing well and sharp either. Well, no, of Ooh, course I'm not. Just but, I'm just correcting you. This no. is what we do on unapologetically <laughs> different. And, and and I'm just and I feel like we dress similar. Mm-hmm. So it's just like I don't I wouldn't see a rapper kind of dressing like me other than like maybe like a Gen Day or something, but it's just not the norm. Right. But then when I started actually listening to your music, I'm just like, this is dope. I love But Migos wear button up. I'm just bad and bougie, honey. Bad and I guess I guess the point that I'm trying to get to is like I, I, I get what you're saying. We like saying. we have like these um we kind of just have these preconceived notions about people and how we expect things to be. And I really just, I'm always trying to grow and just be the best version of myself. Yeah. And I always have to like catch myself because I'll have these automatic like preconceived notions about people and have to really step back and be like, no, I need to actually experience this, see what this is for myself and not let these, the noise that's in my head really right. like take over. And I was really sharing that with Keanu. Like, when I actually listened, I'm like, this is dope. Like, I just kept playing, especially the song about coffee. Yeah. Like, I'm just like, like I this is great because I love coffee, but then it's about <laughs> relationships. Like, yeah. so definitely go check out the album. It's dope. And, and like, now just getting to know you even more, just, like, seeing the man behind the music. Mm. Yeah. And side yeah. note, I love his dance moves. <laughs> Have you seen the music? I like the revolution with the dance moves. Dance moves. Yeah. I'm like, oh, it's Steve. Uh-oh. I like moving, you know? <laughs> <laughs> the Revolution was my favorite song. Oh, I'm, I'm like, glad you yes. like that. That yeah. one's fun. It's like, it, it was so funny talking about that song. I was like, that's one of my older songs. It's yeah. like, before I had really like honed my skills and it was like, the delivery is like, at yeah. least like compared to the stuff I'm doing now, I listen to The Revolution and it's like shrill to me because yeah. it's like, <laughs> the delivery is just like whack and like, I feel like my dance moves have improved much more <laughs> since, <laughs> since doing that music video. Um, but yeah and then to to touch on like the you know dressing sharp it's like something that I started doing like from when I first started performing was like I swore that I would never perform in like on less than like a button down like just because it's like dressing sharp I just enjoy like it makes me feel good to wear mm-hmm. a button down and a sweater. And like, I love that you have the reaction. Like, man, this kid's going to be junk because he's like, yeah. dresses like a fucking little white boy. <laughs> <laughs> you said it. To that, like, no, uh, like, I, I love that reaction because a lot of times when I like get off stage, like, people will be like, man, I, I really had no idea that you were so, like, so good at hip hop. Yeah. You know, they like see this white guy in a mm-hmm. button down and a sweater and like, you know, you can't help but be like, this kid doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, I love to just shock and awe people with, with like, you know, yeah. my rhyme skills. Definitely have a fan. <laughs> oh, I love that. A couple that. of fans. Hey, I'm hey. happy about that. See, that's what A-Plug is all about. Hey. Hey. Fans. Yes. Oh, Shout out to the plug. <laughs> the plug. 
Um, so now we like switch gears. You know, on our show, we talk about political issues, social justice issues. We like to get to the nitty gritty of things. Mm-hmm. Um, so we all are aware about the Me Too movement and how it's progressing. It's like every every week it's someone new, or every day, mm-hmm. every hour, every yes. minute <laughs> at this point. Um, so we've discussed the progression of the Me Too movement. It started from Harvey Weinstein, um, his accusers coming forward, and now it has trickled down to multiple men in Hollywood. Um, are you... And this goes for either one of you guys. Um, are you surprised by the number of women coming forward about their stories? No. I'm not surprised at all. Excuse me. But, um, no, I'm not surprised because um, in that within that industry and just in life, women go through so much. So much you know, shit. You, we Sad have to tag along with each other. We can't even go to the bathroom by ourselves because yeah. you might run into the wrong man. You can't come back from a, a party looking Drunk all in cute. in an Uber by and, yourself. By yourself. You so, no, I'm not surprised. I'm not saying that every man out there is uh, a scumbag, but there is a good majority. <laughs> a good majority of them. Yeah. And I've come across them. I can definitely hashtag me too. On myself because I've you know I've had moments with guys that just didn't want to leave me alone and you say no and they don't want to listen um I don't want to get too into detail about it but yeah um so no I'm not surprised um the most that what's surprising is how it's just how it's happening how it's trickling um you know it started with one person and you know now more people are you know raising their hands we're not shy about it anymore which is awesome because we shouldn't be shy about it we shouldn't just be told to be quiet and and no one believes us so Mm -hmm. um i just hope that this me too movement just opens men's eyes to see that this is not right and opens men's eyes to ones who aren't you know, the scumbags, but the ones who are just sitting back and letting it happen. Don't yes. let it happen. Yeah. Tell your homeboys, hey, don't do that. That's not cool. She's mm-hmm. drunk. Leave her alone. Or if she's drunk, um, you know, let's get her get her friend, get her home. Don't touch her. Don't bother her. her you know, anyway. like, mm-hmm. so, yeah, I'm not surprised, but I really do hope that it just opens doors to just people seeing that this is a real a real issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, so it's a huge issue. It really, really is. And it's, it's for me, I, I like it because it's so easy for, it's, it's like a decision between what's easy and what's right. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's like, especially because being a woman in general, you automatically overthink the situation before you actually speak on it. So you think about the consequences of you speaking versus someone else receiving the consequences of what they did to you. And it's, it's important for anyone to speak up, up against that because at the end of the day, it's also going to help you find your own closure for it. Mm-hmm. You know? And um, it took me years to, like, actually, you know, say it out loud, like, hey, that happened to me. And now it's like, I got to warn other people, like, wait a second, heads up. <laughs> By the way, just in case, you know, if this conversation come up, at least you know in advance, because I ain't trying to shock nobody, because, you know, shock factor is real. Mm-hmm. It is. And with having daughters, I'm just, you know, it's, Ugh. you know, we have to be open about it. I have a daughter, Emma has a daughter, and... We have to protect our daughters because they're going to grow up in a world just like how we grew up in, maybe even worse because it's, you know, times are getting crazy. Mm-hmm. So we have to protect our daughters. We have to let them know, like, things might happen and it's not your fault. That's the one thing that it will make you feel like it's your fault, like you did something, you know, and that's why you don't speak about it. No, you got to speak about it. It's never your fault. When you say no, it means no, no matter what the situation is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's it's like what you say. Like it's it's crazy, and it's like the scary part is like it's been crazy. This has been going on for so freaking long, Mm -hmm. and like it's it's like wildfire now. Like with the Harvey Weinstein thing coming up, and like now everybody's like, oh, it's okay for me to like talk about this. But it's like as a victim, I, I can't relate, but I can understand like the fear of like these people were like threatened to like have their whole career blacklisted like they i think i I just learned recently that like there were two girls that were supposed to be casted in lord of the rings and they like turned harvey weinstein down and like didn't get casted i forget i forget the names but my girlfriend was telling me about that and like it's like it's great that now people can feel comfortable coming forward Mm -hmm. and i think there are a lot of like trash men that just like take advantage of their position of power but it's great that women now have this power to speak up about it mm-hmm. and they 
can feel comfortable knowing that they're not the only one and like it's not it expands all all industries it's not just like film and music it's like mm-hmm. really Everywhere. fucking scary but mm-hmm. like it, it's great that hopefully the world that we're coming to is where these types of men are like going extinct and you know <laughs> like real soon extinct yeah. <laughs> not talking about like years talking about like tomorrow right, yeah. right. I think that's also why it's important though to not only train up a child you know what I mean like I still got a son I gotta make sure he understands what it is to not only you know respect me but respect people in right. general mm-hmm. you know because it, it, it at the end of the day it, it could be any anybody that falls into like a really bad situation and I also feel like that's why it's important to have music like yours um, because having motivational music and gearing more positive situations is what starts the mindset. It's just the seed in order to change your process of thinking. Yeah. And the only way you can do that is if you set the bar high. So to have positive music out there is yes, definitely, definitely, definitely a blessing as well. Because sometimes the music that we listen to now... You it's know, just we as bad. And I'm like, yeah. okay, yeah. But if you really beat, listen to what he's saying, yeah, you're you, like, wait a minute. Excuse yeah. me. Yeah. yeah. Sure. You're like, do I really want to listen to it? And I think to myself, like, do I want my daughter really listening to this? Yeah. Like, the things that men will say about women, bitch this, bitch that. And it gets internalized. Uh, it, it's just, yeah. I, I don't even listen to most of the mainstream stream hip hop anymore yeah. because it's just like, come on. Like, mm-hmm. don't we have anything better to talk yeah. about? You know? <laughs> Arts to Kevin Spacey, many accusers have come forward about their encounters with him. Do you think the movement is accepting of male accusers, and are their stories just as valid as the women accusers? Extremely valid. In any, it doesn't matter who it is. Mm-hmm. Like you have to, and I feel like I feel like it must be, or it, in my head, I feel like it's harder for men to come forward because it's like they they stripped you of whatever manhood you felt you know what I mean yeah. like that that's who you are it's a part of who you are and to know that somebody took advantage of you on that level it's it's not like it's not like like I was saying earlier where like women are we're like we're trained to you know you're emotional that's who you mm-hmm. are men are not meant to be like quote-unquote meant to be emotional you know, so that means not only did you go through the situation, but that means you internalized it, it festered, and you mentally dealt with that in your head without saying anything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's like to actually have the opportunity to be like, yo, me too. You're like, me too? Yeah. You know, but it's at the end of the day, it's super important to, for anybody to get that out on the table and to voice it because it can happen to anybody. Yeah, literally. You know? Yeah, I totally agree. Um it, it is still mess up with a man's mental, you know, just like it'll mess up with a woman's mental, um, you know, no matter what age. Um, who was it that came, there was some man that recently he. Uh, Terry Crews. T- yeah, yeah, him. Cruz, yeah. And I, I definitely I respected him for that because, yeah. you know, I know that was hard because I could only imagine some people probably laughed at him like, huh, you got, you know. And he's that, a bulky man. Yeah, he's, huge, he's a like, big like, guy. Yeah. And it, yeah. But it's still. <laughs> <laughs> continue please yeah but I mean still like you know it still messes with his mental and he still deserves the respect and he yes. still deserves the justice you yeah know? that's true yeah it's very bad and his reaction he had wanted to punch a person in his face but he said right. if I yeah. had done that then the media would have took it and ran with it like this big foot black man just right. knocked out this guy yeah. um, executive person right. that was at the party and it would just misconstrue the whole event exactly so yeah also to get your take and on imagine this, how small he would have felt yeah you know, as a big dude as he is he probably felt so small. Yeah. Being, and that mo- especially it happened in front of his wife. Right. Which Ugh. is like another situation. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I think like, like Emma is saying, any. got fucked up. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's just like, if, if anybody is, is like feeling like they're under control from yeah. somebody, it's like a bullying thing. Like we were talking about. And mm-hmm. like, it's just like I, you know, my girlfriend has is in theater and she has a lot of friends that are male and female who yeah. experience things like this, like from even like a low level of like local community mm-hmm. theater. It's like it's scary. Like it could really happen anywhere. And if like if you're feeling uncomfortable with your situation, you should feel safe and secure that mm-hmm. you can speak about it and yeah. that you can like change what's going on. Like if you don't like how you're being treated by this person, you should be able to at like announce that like either to them or just mm-hmm. in general to like whoever that like to change your scenario so that you're comfortable because yeah. like theater for these people and stage and like you know film mm-hmm. for these people like it's their job and they love doing that and they want to feel comfortable doing that so to be doing something you love in a way that you're being forced to do things that like yeah. really disgust you it's like that just can't happen yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and in a sense this movement came about some men have said to some extent 
that they do not know how to approach a woman now because it's like me too like you tapped them on the shoulder me too it's like (laughs) and it's like they they feel like they don't know what to say how to say it how to approach a woman and so i just want to know are their concerns valid because when i was when i heard i was like are you Serious? How do you not? No, know it's not valid. No, I take those. Because mostly, guys, like, most of the time, about people you start with how? Yeah, without it, touching it's nobody. It's becoming a joke now. That's the most exactly. of the time yeah. I see it's it on Facebook. It's like, haha, how can I talk to these women nowadays? Because me too, me too. That's not funny. I think it's a yeah. joke. It's not, it's not valid. That's like a joke that belongs in memes, where like, all right, you can laugh about it a little yeah. bit, but in yeah. reality, it's just like, be a fucking person, be yeah. a human being, be talk to other people like human beings, yeah. like just respect someone and they will respect you. Like, it's that simple. It's not, like, difficult to treat someone like a human being. But, Mm -hmm. like, because of some people's, like, being raised a certain way or, like, having a certain amount of power, they look at other people like sheep, you know? Like, I can just herd you however the fuck I want. And, Mm -hmm. like... Yeah. Just like, come, walk up to me just like a normal person. Like just like you see somebody that you want to possibly be friends with. Hey, how are you doing? That's all. You don't hey, have mind, to. Can I talk to yeah, you real quick? All that, <laughs> that extra stuff. Yeah. You, like, you don't no. have to grab my no. hand. Yeah. You know, you don't have to say you know little cat calls and all that. No, just I would just hey, say the same way someone you? would approach your mother. Yeah, okay, exactly. let's make it there simple. You yep, exactly. You don't want nobody approaching your mother tapping on her ass and doing anything. Exactly. Right. You would not like. Let that. me tell you, I went to um, Juve. Worst decision of my life. And it was in Brooklyn, so it's already started off as well. It was what you couldn't you couldn't walk down the block without a dude trying to grab your ass and try to grab your hand in they they, they just ready. Like, what's up? Like, what's up, my? They got that. Oh man, they are horrid, man. Horrid boy. Like, can't oh do it. I can't. Gosh. I said never again. I'm not doing this again. No, nope. I completely understand. And that's the thing. It's like now that it's becoming the movement is changing, it's progressing. I mean, I'm super excited because now. I see like this chickens come home to roost. Like, mm-hmm. you know, everybody, what happens in dark is coming to light. Yep. And now people, and now I feel like we live in an accountability era. Yeah. People are being held mm-hmm. accountable. And these men are being, I mean, yes. they have to lose their business. They have to lose their jobs. And some of them I particularly don't care for because you're sitting on millions anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's not like you're going to be dead broke on the corner begging for coins. Right. Like you have money or something to fall back on. So to me, it's just, it's just good to see the, the movement happen and how it's yeah. progressing. And I'm really excited with it. And I just want to see how long it's going to happen. And I hope it's not going to be a phase and just a hashtag. And I hope mm-hmm. it doesn't stop at yeah. only the yeah. higher up people. It needs to go to the regular people, normal yeah. people yeah. like us. No, know? it's true. Definitely. Go as high as the Teflon Don. I feel like he's the only person who <laughs> he doesn't need accountability. He literally just gets away with whatever he does. Because yeah. mm-hmm. he's had accusers and people call him out. He's actually said he grabbed women by the pussy and that meant yes. nothing like yes get him out of office please child. <laughs> please get him out yeah. wait for that day to happen speaking of the donald um what was your reaction when you found out that he won the election i thought it was fake i just <laughs> i felt like a dream it did feel like a it dream it felt like a dream i was like this is not happening i just was like no this is not real and like the whole time when the election was happening i was just thinking in my head yeah right no one's gonna choose donald this is this is not gonna happen you know and then you vote and you think all right may change and donald's not gonna be president and then all of a sudden you see that donald trump is president and it's like whoa and it's scary too because he doesn't know how to keep his mouth shut and i'm <laughs> like at like, all yo, like on he twitter acts like a high schooler going off with his little twitter yeah, fingers with his little t- high school <laughs> enemies and like calm down uh, i didn't believe it it was real crazy my daughter cried Aww. i cried too like, yeah. three days. like she cried. was like seven though like you know what i'm saying like she was yeah. super young and she's like mommy i don't want him to be my president like, i'm like you can't fire him that's the line that he uses it's only with so much we gotta <laughs> yeah. you know what i'm saying like yeah. it's only with so much we can do my son he don't he just he's a firecracker he just he don't pay attention to nothing so he, he didn't understand it but my my daughter to see like how emotional she was about it and then even now she <laughs> we were walking and she's like Mom, she, she's like, I hate the president. And I'm like, oh, yeah? <laughs> like, whoa, you bold. Outside in public saying that? She's like, Mom, Evan could be a better president. 
Evan, you're now Mr. President. And Evan's like, yep, I'm fly too. I'm like, oh my God, no. That's so cute. But it's like to yeah. see like, you know, she's like, anybody could be president, mom. Literally. Evan's not the, I'm like, wait a minute. Like, I mean, it's valid. And I, I don't negate it. Why not anybody? I mean, apparently my, my son is now president. So, you know, <laughs> vote for him in the next few years, you know. But it was, it's really rough. It really, really is. And it sucks. Yeah, I, I remember, like, walking outside um, the day after the election, and there was just an air of, like, mm-hmm. it was just, like, dead quiet. Like, everyone was just, like... Yeah, there's a storm disbelief. coming. Stupefied. <laughs> it was just, like, unreal. Mm-hmm. And it's crazy because, like, for us, we're all, like, New Yorkers. We're, like, in the city, it's, mm-hmm. you know, it's a large percentage of, yeah. like, it's a, a blue city, at least. like. Yeah. So for us, we were like, no, of course, like Donald's not going to win. Of course, Hillary's mm-hmm. going to take this thing home. But like on election night, it's like 50 50, and you're looking at all the states go red, and we're like, Ugh. how the fuck? How <laughs> did we not? Yeah, well, we know how Outside of the cities, it was just like, you know, yeah. we had no idea how much support he had. And yeah. it's like really crazy. I remember somebody was telling me that. Are we talking about domestic or international support? In regards oh, to the Russians, yeah. Well, no shade. Boy. You know, keeping it. You mean because they, they like to tamper with things, like to touch on things and man. Better mind your fingers. What kind Russia. of support were you talking about, Steve? I just want to know. I mean, he had he had good support. But I, I wish I had the kind of support he had. Maybe not. No, you don't want that kind of support. No, you so right. now that it's underway with the investigation of um, Russians being involved in the election and playing some kind of part in it, what do you guys think the outcome of the investigation would be? What do I think or what do I hope is going to happen? All of the above, all, right. all of the above. So he needs to go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he he needs to He's go. been needed to go. <laughs> like, you get what I'm saying? Like, I signed a petition saying all that. Like, yeah. I already impeached him because uh, yeah, I, I signed, signed it. it too. I signed it. I signed it on Facebook? Yeah, I did. I signed it. Signed it. Just, they just have, like, an overwhelmingly overwhelming amount of control mm-hmm. over what too, is yeah. going on that yeah. seems, like, insurmountable. That, yeah. Like, no matter what. Clearly, like, if any president prior to this guy had done one of these you know horrible acts that they've done like it would be game over like Mm -hmm. you will never see your face on a tv ever again but it's just a show you know what pisses me off more about it or what shocks me more about it the only part that shocked me about it do y'all watch house of cards Hashtag Kevin well, Spacey. I know he a jerk, but that's all right. But he's not um, a part of Shut Up. Right. Go ahead. I, no I think I know what you're right, going to say. But, yeah. like, he definitely was rigging. It's like to, I've seen House of Cards, to see. Yeah. Right. You get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, to see the elections being rigged and oh, yeah. all the stuff he's doing behind closed doors and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And then for something like that to actually happen, happen it's like. Life. So, you was yeah. saying real stuff on the show. That's real. Like, that got to be. There's no way that, you know what I'm saying? Like, all of that stuff that that was happening. Like, now. So, what you going to tell me next? That your wife finna be president? Like, I just needs to know, mm-hmm. because she ain't valid neither. She needs to go, too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, all of them. Like, I'm, it's really nerve-wracking to see, you know, what kind... And then to, to hear other nations laughing at, like, what where we're at in America. You know what I mean? Like, that's, that's super yeah, and hard. It, it's scary because, like, he kind of inspires the people that we're, like, talking badly about. Like, the guy's responsible for the Me Too, yeah. and these guys are, like... Yeah. Fucking, they all look up to this guy because he's a bully. He's, like, savage. Mm -hmm. And, like, it's, like, hilarious to Mm -hmm. those people. And they're, like, just taking advantage of a certain position of power, just like Weinstein and just like all these other guys. It's just in a different way. seems to be crumbling down with this man. (laughs) I tell you, it just seems like things have been getting crazy. Like, even with the whole um, people just with these guns. Like, it doesn't seem like it was even that bad before... Donald was president. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Donald was president. But yeah, um, <laughs> it's still weird to say. I'm sorry. Yeah. But yeah. I, I usually don't say president. I just say Donald Trump. I just say yeah. Donald. Um, yeah, it just seems like things have just been getting. Teflon Don is one I haven't heard yet. <laughs> Teflon Don, right? It's a Coach P original. Yeah. Yeah. He's untouchable. Right. I have permission to use it. Teflon Definitely, Don. definitely. Right, Spread cool. the word. <laughs> like that you mentioned the fact that he is a bully and bullies feel empowered um, with him in power. Um, in our previous episode, we actually discussed the effects of bullying. So have any of you guys ever been bullied or were bullied growing up? I was bullied. I was bullied growing up. I had these big old ears and a big old nose, right? And my head grew into my ears 
but at the time you know they used to be like you're a witch like i used to get chased down like Aww. i was like i was a really weird little kid though not for nothing so you know but i i used to get bullied all the time and um i used because of that i found myself the people that i hung out with growing up were usually the ones that were getting bullied like those are the people that i stuck around you know, like, oh, she's weird. Oh, I'm her friend. Let me go find out what she's about. Like, mm-hmm. those are the kind of people that I grew up around. I grew up around those kind of people by choice. You know, like, if I felt like it, I probably could have been a popular kid. I just didn't want to be. Like, I wanted to be around, you know, people that I felt like were the quote-unquote misfits. You know, and, and yeah, it, it wasn't fun. I cried a lot. And um, I think that's why I am the way I am now. Just, like, a big spark. Because um, I own it now. And you can't tell me nothing that I can't say about myself now. Um, but it was harsh. And teaching my kids, you know, how to handle it, I wasn't as outspoken as my kids are now. Okay. And that was something that I enforced in them. Like, if something's happening, you better speak on it because you ain't going to want me to say it. Mm-hmm. So they scared enough where they, they more scared of me than they scared of their bully. So okay. they going to say something. <laughs> okay. So that's, that's how I handled it. But it was, it was rough. It was definitely rough going up with that. I wasn't. I wouldn't say I was bullied per se. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you come across the mean people. I was quiet, so I could have been like maybe more of like a pushover, in a sense. But I wasn't bullied, or maybe I just didn't notice it. I don't know. Um, but like what Emma said, I wasn't really focused on you know hanging, being popular, or being that popular person. I just hung around my friends. I had my friends, and we stuck together. Um, I don't really remember being bullied. I know I had trouble with growing up and having dark skin and not feeling like, you know, my dark skin was as pretty as the lighter skin mm-hmm. people and stuff like that. Um, I was small. I always had, you know, I was always small in stature, like sh- um, skinny, not not short, but like thin. Um, and people, most of the people who I would say bullied me were like adults who were telling me I had to gain weight because I was too skinny and mm-hmm. I need to eat and, and put more you know, put more meat on your bones. More meat yeah. on your bones, and I'm just like, what? Why? But mm-hmm. um, in regards to I, in my daughter, since you touched on your daughter, um, I hope she doesn't get bullied. But you know, I I do want her to be able to speak up for herself. I hope she's not as shy as I was mm-hmm. as a kid. I hope she, you know, grows up and decides to, you know, tell people, hey, I don't like that and yeah. and whatnot. But yeah, I, I don't think I was really bullied per se. Mm-hmm. I have to confess to you guys that. When I was a kid, there was like several weeks or so that I was bullying a kid in summer camp. Aww. Yeah, I the like bully too. Man, I like I feel so bad about it now, and it like yeah. it's still I still remember it. Like yeah. I I don't know where it came from or why I was mm-hmm. behaving in that way, but like I like you know took his lunch money. Yeah. Like, oh, you. It was so bad. I wasn't that kind and of. Oh. No, like yeah. I I feel so terrible. And then like he told his mom about it, which is good because yeah. then she like contacted my mom and I got in trouble and I reimbursed him for the funds that I yeah. had, you know, procured. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, wow. and like, I don't know if he even remembers, but like, I, I'm sure he does. I probably mm-hmm. like haunts him, but like, yeah. it haunts, you know, I feel so bad about yeah. that. And, um, and like my, my little brothers, like I, I try to, you know, tell them to just like not treat people mm-hmm. badly. Cause they kind of look up to like savagery and like, shit like that and um but i just try to tell them to you know be a better person and like treat people equally with respect and they'll respect you and like yeah you know to the the idea of bullying kind of um to bring things full circle like i had a a neighbor growing up that i was a cop and i remember one time we were talking about like police that are like assholes and like a lot there's like two different kinds of police there's Mm -hmm. like the kind that are like more empathetic and understand that like kids are going through stuff and like you want to be a positive role model the type of like police officer that little kids want to look up Mm -hmm. to and then there's the kind that were like bullied growing up and they kind of want to like put themselves in a position of power and like then kind of beat down on someone else where the you know the oppressed becomes the oppressor type of deal yeah and um just like another topic that i wanted to bring up i I just thought of something else Okay, so maybe this, I don't know. Okay, I guess when I think of bullying, I think of a repetitive thing. Yeah. But um, there was this one kid in elementary school that just would not leave my glasses alone. Like, he would take my glasses Mm -hmm. off my face. So, I mean, one time I pushed him, and then he pushed me, and then I fell all the way down a hill, and I got a cut on my nose. But 
I guess that is considered bullying. Yeah. I don't know yeah, for sure. if that's still bullying. But yeah. I mean, he never bothered me again because I pushed him and then he pushed me because he was mad. I pushed him back. Yeah. But. Um, well, you stood up for yourself. Yeah, I stood mm-hmm. up for myself yeah, the most that I could. I still ended up with a, a scar on my face, but yeah, yeah I tried. <laughs> I think it's important that we discuss bullying because if you guys have been paying attention and stuff like that, and two of you have children, it's changed now. Like, yeah, it's, 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 it's to harder. the point where it's like, what the fuck is going on? And like, and like, seriously, and I'm not saying in a joking matter, whether you was, and it just, it's good to get your take on whether you were bullied and if you were a bully because now you've seen like what's happening now with the younger generation which to me is very frightening um it's just the suicide rates that are happening which is now it's like bully aside it's like these kids who are taking their own lives like we the previous episode we talked about it and there were two young girls i believe the ages of 10 and 12 who took their own lives because they were being bullied and now it's like now that it has transformed i mean back in the day you get bullied you fight somebody back you hope you beat their ass, they respect you, they leave you alone. Right. Or, right. you know, in a situation of parents get involved. Now it's like, I don't even know if the parent, by the time the parents find out, they child and kill themselves. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, and you know what makes it harder? Mm-hmm. Is the fact that they can bully you online. You could go home yep. and still get bullied. You don't just right leave right, school. Right. Yeah. And you're like, all right, I'm going home to my That's safe true. zone. There's no safe zone anymore. You no, go on your phone, true. you go on your it's computer, invasive. and you get bullied that way, too. Yeah, for real. That's, yeah. that's the hardest part. And my thing now with how is this changing and how is it transformed just to kind of get you guys take on it and then particularly you two having children, like how does that really like touch your heartstrings in terms of hearing those stories? Makes me nervous. And what do you plan to do? I know you said you plan on talking with your child, but yeah. like what do you what more do you plan to do besides just having the conversation? So for me it's 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 super unique. Um the reason why my daughter is here is because a week before I found out I was pregnant. I, me telling God, like me telling God, not asking, I'm telling him what he finna do, right? <laughs> so it was, it was a week before I found out I was pregnant, and I was like, God, you got a week. If my situation, because I was going through a lot at the time, if my situation don't change by the end of this week, you're going to see my ass in hell because I'm, I'm committing suicide. Now, at the time, I already attempted suicide once and failed. I, um, I, I took like an entire bottle of ibuprofen, and it was like, they were like, I think it was like 60 milligrams each pill. So they're like the big elephant pills. And I took the entire bottle and then drank it down with liquid codeine and then followed it up with a bottle of alcohol to try to like really make sure I'm not getting up. I definitely woke up. I did. I, I, I guess I didn't read the bottle right because the pills was definitely expired. It ain't do nothing. But I definitely had well, a great sleep. You woke up. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. But it was, it was yeah. something that I was definitely trying. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, uh, that was the first time. So this time I'm like, all right, so I know this ain't going to work. So now I really got to plan accordingly. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you got a week because I got a week to plan out for me. So you got a week. So this way by Friday, I'm ready. And two days later, I found out I was pregnant. So he knew I wasn't going to take me and my daughter's life. Like he just, he just knew that. And touching on the whole bullying thing, for me, it wasn't really, I don't want to call it, I don't know if I can really call it bullying. It was more like the situation that I was going through as far as like with my family and stuff like that like the amount of pressure I'm the on my mom's side I'm the baby sister Mm -hmm. but I'm the baby sister that did everything Mm -hmm. like if anyone needs me they call me for a a lot of the stuff like my older um, siblings call me for some things so it's like I was the more responsible one in certain senses and I I took care of my mom for since I was like eight Mm -hmm. like I, I used to help her out with a lot of things so it was like it began to be too much for me as a young kid trying to take care of everybody else. And um, I was ready. Found out I was pregnant. So the conversation with my daughter is more like if you weren't here, you're mommy's angel. Mm-hmm. And imagine if I wasn't here, you wouldn't be here. And okay. getting, getting that to wrap around her head of how important a life actually is mm-hmm. because you may be one life, but just like it's one drop of water that drops into a huge ocean, that one drop causes the ripple effect that may lead to a wave in another region. Like that kind of concept where that one life can touch so many different people and understanding the importance of that life mm-hmm. is what you, you, you killing yourself. Like I, I wouldn't have been able to save the two, the, I had two people who called me because most people know that I, I attempted suicide. So I had two people call me and I saved two lives thus far just by talking to them, talking them out of it. Mm-hmm. One had six kids and diabetes wow. and they were on the road of cutting his leg off and I talked him out of it. He still has both legs. Wow. I had another one 
Well, I don't know where he is now, but at the time, like, he was super young. And, like, if I wasn't there to intervene in that, like, imagine what kind of ripple effect. Imagine what kind of kids he would have had mm-hmm. and what kind of gen. Like, you never know who you're meant to touch and being here and getting my kids to understand. That's why it's so important for them to understand their inner importance and understanding what their inner greatness is. Because if you understand your inner greatness, you're not going to let nobody try to mm-hmm. put you in a place where you're going to take your own life and, and, and uh, commit suicide in any way. And making sure that other people understand because, yes, it's inner greatness, but understand that you have a support around you. Mm-hmm. And making sure that the support around you is just as positive as your inner energy, that same postitude, that same, you know, I'm going to come correct because I am correct when I come. Mm-hmm. You know, so, so just, just like that. I like that. And in addition to that, like, you have your two kids that will grow up and have more, have kids, more kids and have mm-hmm. more kids. Yeah. So, yeah. like... You know, because you're, like, thankfully still with us, you know, yes. that line continues. And mm-hmm. Well, yeah, basically, almost what Emma said was literally what I was thinking in my head. Um, I just, I would let my daughter know that she's important. You know, she's important to me. She's important to her friends, no matter how many friends she has. If it's just one, is it two, three, how many? If you're popular, you're unpopular, you're still important to me and somebody else. Um also, as well, don't be a bully because the person that you're bullying, you're not, you know, you're important to me, but there's also a child who's also important to somebody else, and you're mm-hmm. not any more important than anybody else, you know? Um, don't bully because, you know, you bully, you never know what's going to happen. That child could commit suicide, and then there's a mom, one less of a child. Yeah. Um, so that's really what would be my thing. And also, I just want her to know that she can talk to me no matter what mm-hmm. no matter what's going on you're still you know i still love you yeah. no matter how horrible of a thing that you did i i love you mm-hmm. um i will talk you through it and we'll get through it together there's no reason why you should think that somebody would be so ashamed of you or your life is so horrible that you don't belong on this earth um yes. so basically you know everything that emma said is exactly <laughs> what i was thinking but I, yeah just to touch on it oh to touch on it sorry mm-hmm. on it a little bit yeah <laughs> and, and like just in addition I think that these conversations are so important to have yes. with your kids because like Anisha you were just saying that like you weren't sure if you could define it as bullying mm-hmm. this kid taking your glasses but like what is the threshold where it goes from like just little whatever to like alright now this kid is really tormenting me mm-hmm. like you have to those conversations have to know the guidelines or like you know lines need to be drawn where like you know alright like I feel like it's it's pretty common for the victim to be like all right, you know, that's, yeah. that, that's really annoying, but, like, I won't, I, I'm not going to say anything until, if it gets to, like, a certain point. And, like, mm-hmm. by the oh. time it gets there, it's, like, too late. You need to say something before the it really... The first time. Exactly. Yeah. Like, because you have to nip it in the butt, because that's yeah. what caused... The, the first time is always a test, like, to see right. if, the, if they're going right. to really be able to do it. Because yeah. if I set you straight the first time, you ain't coming back to say, like, oh, I can't do that to her. That's right, you can't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you shouldn't do it to nobody. They're going to know. You know, and that's... I feel like that's what the president's needs to be, like, one time is is too much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and setting it that high, and that's it. The mm-hmm. uh, last topic we really want to discuss is gentrification, and um, one of the shows we've discussed is She's Gotta Have It, the Netflix series by Spike Lee, which is his adaptation of the movie onto a, a TV series, and he highlights gentrification taking place in parts of Brooklyn. So what are you guys' takes on just gentrification and displacement of communities? It's happening. You could see it happening. Um if you look at Co-op City and the big mall that we have. That's, that's in the Bronx, by the way. That's in the, in the all, day, all day, all day, all day. All day, every day. What yeah, is that? It's, it's happening. What's Co-op City? Co-op City is a huge co-op. I don't know how like it's complex, a bunch of yeah. um, apartment buildings, and it has, like, its own little shops and stuff. It's literally its own community. Yeah, yeah, basically. Yeah. And there's a big mall now that they built. And the Bronx didn't have a big mall like that. You know, we just had, yeah. like, shopping centers. We yeah. go, you walk around, it's a big mall. So it's happening. Um, it's sad. I mean, I guess right now it, it's not sad. It depends on what's happening. I know in Harlem it's really bad because, oh. like you said, they're displacing people. Um, they're you know, and they're trying to rename it Soha. It's Soha? Like, girl, yeah. yeah. No. South Harlem oh. is stupid. It's God, Harlem. That's, yeah. This is Harlem. And I, I just, you know, Harlem has so much culture. Yes. And then to go there and you, it just feels like that culture is slowly, like, dying. Dying. Mm-hmm. It's it's mm-hmm. sad. You know, you, you, you're you going to tell your kids, like, Harlem is the, you know, 
all the history of Harlem and how, you know, black culture and, mm-hmm. and all that we've been through in Harlem and then to look and and see it's disappearing. It's like, where, where you know, where's that culture? And, it, and, and the fact that our children won't be able to experience it the way we did mm-hmm. is sad. And to think about the people that once lived in Harlem that can't live, can't even afford to live in Harlem, like, where do they go? That's the hardest thing. Like, where expensive. do they go? Yeah. So expensive. I, yeah. I've, my great grandmother was raised or raised my mother and all her siblings right in Mount Oliver mm-hmm. on Lennox. Like, that's where they grew up. Mm-hmm. They li- literally, they grew up all on that block. So to know that, you know, a piece of my own history of how my family grew up on 135, running the numbers, yeah. stuff like that, things that they used to do back <laughs> in the day. Like, yeah. I can't go to that block and my mom would be like, now you see that building right there, baby, that little brownstone? Like, that's not going to happen. No- you know what I'm saying? Like, right. it's not the same. Yeah. So. To know that, you know, all of that is changing is, is, is super heart-wrenching. Because mm-hmm. I, I wanted my kids, thank God, I got to take them to Mount Olivet with the same pastor that my mother grew up on. Mm-hmm. So she got to kind of wow. see it. But it's, it's like, it's super heart-wrenching to know, like, a piece of history is literally about to dissipate. Like, it's not going to be there no more. So yeah. mm-hmm. it's frustrating. Yeah, I, I grew up in Harlem for a little while um, until I was three. And I have a picture of myself sitting on the stoop, you know, like the, the real Harlem yeah. lifestyle, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, but, I mean, you could still, you definitely can see, like, the, the community has completely changed. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't feel the same. It, you know, I, Harlem used to have this. You could go out there and there's always somebody with their music and just having a good time. Now it's just so it gets quiet, except for 125th. 125th is still pretty, pretty crazy. Yeah, pretty crazy. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but and yeah, that's and a, that's a whole too. different thing, huh? One three fifth too. Yeah, yeah. But like the other sections of Harlem, it's just like, ooh. yeah. It's really unfortunate, and and like the fact that that kind of stuff is being lost. And I have to preface my answer with mm-hmm. like the fact that. I am like a part of gentrification mm-hmm. where like I, you know, moved, grew up in New Jersey and now I'm like a 20 something year old young professional mm-hmm. that's like moved into, you know, Crown Heights. That's like next up on the gentrification chopping block. Mm-hmm. And like I am accelerating this process. So mm-hmm. it's like it's hard for me because like I live there because I live in Crown Heights because we wanted to be in, in Brooklyn and that was like unaffordable area and it's like the prices are going to continue to go up which like and it's like even if i'm not there it's like somebody else will you know those brokers will get somebody else Mm -hmm. into that apartment and it's like it's really unfortunate and it's just something that like i don't necessarily know what the solution is or like how can there be a balance Mm -hmm. of like you know like providing young like hipster Mm -hmm. like young professionals or whatever like uh cool hip so hot-esque yeah. neighborhood that they can live in and have mm-hmm. their like starbucks and their like cutesy bars <laughs> and things like and their chalkboard <laughs> signs but and then like also no yeah, but then to like also have like affordable housing and for like people that have been living yeah. in the city for like generations and yeah. like years and years like you know they get those people out and then mm-hmm. they renovate that apartment and it's and just they renovate like, the community yeah. yeah and that's the problem with gentrification it's just that it, and then it creates that us versus them in the binaries. Right. Um, it's just a problem with gentrification is that oftentimes it's a matter of a certain demographic moving into a neighborhood, as you said, being a white male, moving into a neighborhood, and then they change it from then. If it was the changes were being made prior to any kind of demographic coming in, maybe I think there would be more of, it would be less right. aggression and less care. It would be like, it's, okay, well, the community was transforming regardless of the fact of who was here for years. And like you said, being in the Bronx, we got the mall. And I'm happy. I like the mall. Yeah, I love the mall. It's because <laughs> I was going to the Galleria. Just <laughs> the mall, which is, if you know the Bronx, it is yeah. a part of the Bronx, but it's like further up by yeah, White Plains and uh-huh. well, Google it. But <laughs> you know, it was good to have that mall. That even though I'm not yeah. a mall person, I just yeah. being from a city, I don't do malls yeah. like unless I go to a town. But like, it's good to have it. But it's like literally, they built it up like three years ago yep. around there, and it's yeah. like, are you serious? Mm-hmm. Like, we could have had this years, years ago. ago. Like right? growing up, leaving school, hanging yeah. out. We yeah. had that. Luxury. And I went to school nope. with co-op. I, yeah, you know, I wish we had more, but you know. it would have been nice. We and, made it work. Yeah, in the Bronx. <laughs> is going to be changing. I mean, Brooklyn is already on its way. Yeah, it's Harlem is gone. And the Bronx is slowly progression. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, and then 10 years down the road, I question, 
can yeah. we actually afford to afford. live there and right. be there? And because it's nice to have nice things. But. It is. It is nice. But it's just a matter of the communities being changed and a displacement that happens. And I'm glad that we are able to talk about it from different perspectives mm. and standpoints because it's very important that we have this conversation. It's going to continue. It's going to happen. Um, I kind of wish there were more being done from, right. of course, politicians doing their part and also people on the ground. We do talk about gentrification happening, but it's like we not in the streets like we are about police brutality. Mm. I want to see us in the streets actually doing that active work because I feel like to some extent if that's happening, it will kind of play a part in it slowing down or maybe there being a different transformation of how we can incorporate different communities living in one area but also not displacing families of color. Which tends to happens a lot. I also feel like it's important for us to actually own and not just rent. Mm. Yes. And being aware of different organizations. Like, I'll give you an example. There's an organization, NACA, N-A-C-A dot org, if I'm not mistaken. But it's a a nonprofit organization that actually allows you to or assists you in purchasing a house. And you can purchase it with no money down. And no closing costs, meaning you can keep all your money and they will help you purchase your own home specifically because of the fact that they know that it's hard to have 20, 40, 60 grand in the bank. Like, oh, let me get that real quick. Like, that's not it's not realistic for everybody. And being able to to do certain different organizations like that and look into nonprofit organizations mm-hmm. that actually help you with that. But not only that, but being aware of them, you mm-hmm. know, like because at the end of the day, if I own my own house. Let's say if I if I decide that I want to own a two family house, I can rent out the basement. I can rent it out to whomever I want. And yeah. if I so choose that I want to make sure that I keep this specific family there, I could buy your house and I can actually rent it out. You ain't got to go nowhere. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And it helps to build up the neighborhood that's already there. Mm-hmm. You know, so you but but just again, you know, making sure that people are aware of the different opportunities that there are out there in order for you to progress and own at a young age. And I think it's a point that you mentioned that being millennials, it's, I mean, we weren't trained finding, I don't know, maybe it's just me. I just feel like we weren't trained financially growing oh, no. up through Certainly college. Not. It was just like, go out there, get a job, unemployed, okay. <laughs> um, but we weren't trained financially how to, like, own and, like, the steps in doing, especially living in New York, it's really expensive. It's very pricey to run an apartment. And when yeah. you look at it <laughs> financially over the scope of a year, how much you put towards rent, you could actually own a piece of property. Right, right. Yeah. So just to um, end off on that, just to get you guys' take on millennials actually owning, then renting, and then we're going to wrap up. Okay. Yeah, I, I kind of think that it's like this mentality of like fast paced, like you, you think of the idea of buying a house and like whatever age you are, like you could be 18 years old and like buying a house. But like you have this thing where you're like, no, I, I couldn't do that. Like I need the I need I have this income. First, I need yeah. to rent. I got to like do it right now. Yeah. I got to have a place to sit, you know, but like it, it's just it's like it's just a long term decision mm-hmm. that will be so much more beneficial to you. In the long run, coming from that's a person the who's currently part renting. About it. But. You don't even have to own for a long time if you so choose that that's not what you want. You don't even have to buy a house. That's you true. can go buy a condo and pay maintenance fee on it because it's just like renting. The yeah. difference is, is that, what's the difference? Now you're up front paying a maintenance fee, the same like you would have rented, but now you literally own a piece of property. Mm-hmm. Like You can keep that property and decide, you know what, I do want to rent. You can go rent, rent out your property, and now you have two different sources of income. Like It's important not just to have your own income, but have passive income. Because if true. you want to grow and develop not only you but your family around you and generations to come then you have to have more than what you currently have you're busting your behind to go to a job literally a job not a career Mm -hmm. you're busting your behind to go to a job that's not paying for anything and if you want to grow develop yourself and really work in a career that you want to work in then you have to have a passive income in order to help you so you can do what you want to do so you know i find like especially millennials nowadays, it's super important for them to understand or for all of us to understand the importance of owning something and not allowing anyone to put a stigma on it saying that, nah, you should, no, I got mm-hmm. my own steps that I'm going to take. I got, I had kids before I got married and mm-hmm. I didn't graduate from college and like, well, what are you saying? I'm still doing just as fine yeah. and I'm still happy and, and coherent. I'm more happy than you are and you got more money than me. So well, what are you saying? Facts. So, you know, yeah. just being aware of things like that, I find like it's, it's, it's very important and it needs to be, you know, broadcast. I think it depends on who you are and what you're where you are in life right now. I'm in no rush to make to get a house, but there are some people who wanted to get Mm -hmm. a house. Uh, You know, like I just know that it's not for me right now. You know, I'll be fine, you know, maybe a small apartment or something like that. But then there are people who 
want to get a house, fine, do that. And as long as you know that you'll be financially stable and able to do it, that you're not going to end up on the street, you know, the next day. Um, yeah. And like Emma said, sorry, I totally have my train of thought just did. Happens to me all the time. Don't worry about it. I don't know what happened, but yeah. Um, yeah. I just know that right now homeowning is just, it's not for me, but just, Oh, because you were saying that we, we're not, <laughs> we don't it. go with the flow anymore. Um, I right. didn't go with the flow. I had a kid before I got married, you know? Mm-hmm. And, of course, people are looking at you, me ooh. like, ooh, why right. you do that? You're not Spicy. married. You don't have a relationship. <laughs> <Spicy. laughs> no, I know. <laughs> right. Taking chances. But that's what, <laughs> that's what life is all about. Y'all are funny. <laughs> that's what life is so all sorry. about. Yeah. You just got to make your own steps. Exactly. Own that house that you want to own. Get that apartment you want to get. If you feel like you want to live in your mama's house to to build up some money, that's do that. Too. You know, yeah. that's, I, I feel like path. millennials, mm-hmm. um, the the generations before us, pressure us to do the mm. things that we really we don't want to do, like because they feel like this is how things are supposed to be. Because back, I don't know if it's true, and I don't know if it's just like a stigma that I put on it, but I feel like past generations they have a set timeline of how yeah. things are supposed to be mm-hmm. and then we're, we don't want to do it that way and they're like what is wrong with you why are you why you gotta follow this do it this way do it this way and we're like no you know i'm gonna make my mistakes and i'm gonna learn from my mistakes that's mm-hmm. the best way to do it i think yeah <laughs> all right good so we're wrapping up our show hey. um so please let our viewers know where they can um get information about you guys and what new projects you're working on starting with emma Okay, um, I, you know, throw me out there like that. All right, so, um, <laughs> uh, first of all, I just launched my website today. Thank you very much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So, yes, emilyvarani.com, E-M-M-A-L-E-E-V-I-R-A-N-I. If not, you could just go to my Instagram, E underscore Lee underscore V, and um, you'll see the link in there as well. Um, yeah, you can find me on uh, Twitter as well, Emslee, E-M-M-S-L-E-E, or... Uh, or my other Instagram for me and my kids, MKF. I have a lot to just just Where can they find the books? Oh, Barnes and Noble. So it's available yes. on BarnesandNoble.com as well as well, there's Amazon. There's not one in the Bronx. <laughs> so, it's online, boo boo. Okay, you just go cool. right online. Well, Gentrification. Or you could do Amazon. Shout out to Prime. <laughs> Shout out to Prime. You could order Amazon Prime and get it in two days. I'm saying. Oh, that's what I'm Let me know. You could definitely do that. Um, so we Google had a Play. discount over there. I didn't catch that. Books <laughs> 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 are expensive. Books are expensive. Promo code unapologetically different. We'll get that in the works. <laughs> I'm playing. <laughs> so silly. Might as well bring one. But yeah. Is that it? You, yeah, you said I it got all? a lot more, but it's oh, all right. Oh, okay. That's the basis. That's the basis. <laughs> Thank all you, right. Emma. Well, for a plug, well, you didn't say. Am I next? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, a plug uh, magazine. It's a plug magazine dot com. Um, Facebook a plug magazine. Instagram, A Plug Magazine. It's really easy, y'all. Y'all can easily find that just A Plug Magazine all around. I can't find um, me. There's no Twitter yet, um, but that's in the works. Upcoming projects? Upcoming projects. Um, I look to um, be holding a food drive, a canned food drive. Sweet. And um, doing some more um, charity work around. And, yeah, that's really the biggest thing that I want to work on right now. And also, um, email if you have any business inquiries, um, aplugmagazine at gmail.com as well and if you would like to be interviewed. We hope. And yes, mm-hmm. of course, yes. more interviews. Yes, yes. <laughs> All right, Steve. So my stuff is, um, my website is feelyoungmusic.com. My name is Steve Young and it's my goal to make you feel young. Oh, snap. Um, so that's <laughs> F-E-E-L-Y-O-U-N-G mm-hmm. music.com. My email, feelyoungmusic at gmail.com. You can find me on Instagram, Twitter, though I don't tweet much. Um, that's both going to be at Mr. Feel Young. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, can we get your yeah. music on Spotify, iTunes? So like my music is not on Spotify yet, okay. but if you go to my website, I have all yes, my do. projects on there, so you can find that. There's also like soundcloud.com slash Mr. Feel Young. Yeah. Um, there's like that. There's like Bandcamp if you go to steveyoung.bandcamp.com, I think. And um, 
Yeah, most most of my stuff you can find on on the website. That's good. Where there's like links to the music. There's like upcoming shows. I actually have a show next Saturday. I think the thirteenth. Oh yeah. In Brooklyn uh, okay. at the Well. Okay. Uh, which I had never been to before, but I'm looking forward to that show. It's All gonna right. be a 45 minute set. It cool. is at 12:30 in the morning. Oh. But you know, it's gonna be a late one. Okay. But uh, that's gonna be good. Um, the upcoming project that I'm kind of working on don't really have like a release date or okay. anything yet, but it's I think it's going to be called the Inherent Result. Um, oh. I like it. It it, it kind yes. of it kind of spawns from an idea of like growth is the inherent result of struggle. Okay. But that idea, the inherent result, can kind of go to like many different mm-hmm. things, like you know, yeah, like. Hunger is the inherent mm-hmm. result of not you know yeah. like as is like a more simple example, but there's there's going to be more complex, deep examples right. in uh, in the project. Um, Sweet, yeah. And then I have a music video for uh, my song Coffee that uh, will hopefully be done soon. I may just release it at some point. Who knows? Okay. Oh yes, because the preview is yeah. On, the website has the preview, the preview. Okay. Yes. And then if you like check my website or my Instagram and stuff, mm-hmm. you'll be up to date on yeah. when that whole thing is kablam. You know. I love it. Thank you guys for coming out today. Thank this you is, so much. Yeah, this has been yeah, amazing. And <laughs> we'll definitely make sure to include all your information in the show notes so everyone could just easily access your your social media pages, your websites, and just be able to connect with you guys. And it was just a pleasure getting to know you guys. And once again, thank you guys for tuning into our show. We really appreciate the support. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at unapologeticd underscore. You can also find us on Facebook at unapologetically different. And you can also find the podcast at unapologetically different on iTunes and on SoundCloud. Stay tuned for next week's episode. Bye. Bye. Ha <laughs>